This is Moon to Moon, and I'm Britton LaRue, and this podcast is about process. It's about the process of coming home to yourself and how to use the tools of astrology and the tarot and the lunar cycle, how to use energy and somatic healing, how to use magic and intuition to help you in those processes. And the podcast itself is a process. I decided from the very beginning to just begin and let let the thing tell me what it wants to be. So I'm still really feeling into what Moon to Moon wants to be. And I have found a rhythm in creating a energy forecast and an astrological forecast at the beginning of each sun sign season. So this particular episode is one of those. And I'm also imagining and dreaming of creating other kinds of episodes that are different from my seasonal forecasts. I think some people probably love the seasonal forecasts and some people might be looking for a different kind of content and all of that's perfectly okay. Some of you may want to bump on ahead to where I begin talking about the dates of the astrology of Aquarius season because things get kicking off pretty quickly from the beginning. So you may want to leap ahead and then scroll back to the teaching that I offer about Aquarius at a more high level, at a wisdom level, which I'll do first here. So... I have a lot here because it's a really big cycle. It's huge. There's so much and take your time with it. Um, Maybe you'll listen twice to receive it all in different ways. I hope it's a support to you. I hope it's a guide and I appreciate you listening. If you enjoy my voice and you enjoy my work, please rate and review this podcast please 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 it's so helpful to me i also create workbooks for people moon to moon is my foundational workbook i have a workbook for each sign and i also have a workbook called seeding the year which helps you to nestle into your dreams and intentions for the coming year and let go of 2020 So I also have a free webinar about Seeding the Year that you can access on my website and um, through my Instagram account. I create my workbooks with my collaborator, Angela George, who takes my Word documents and turns them into beautiful portable objects for your intimacies, for you to be with yourself which really helps the coming home process. I also consult one-on-one. I read charts. I get read tarot cards for people. I do both. And that's very much a joy for me because I love working one-on-one with people. I teach classes and workshops, and I have some upcoming classes and workshops ahead in 2021 which i will not announce today but i will announce soon i'm so excited to talk about what i'm dreaming of teaching this year thank you for listening and enjoy 
Welcome, Aquarius. So in this episode, I'm first going to teach a little bit about Aquarius to help you with attunement. As I say, astrology is a technology of attunement, meaning that it's a tool to help you to attune to, to feel into, to connect with at a feeling level, at a knowing level, what the energies are that are present so that you can be with that, you can create with that, you can work with that, heal with that, with what is present and help your life move forward in a way that will feel more empowering and healing and pleasurable. And I might add present. So first we'll talk about attunements. And then I would like to share with you the tarot reading that I have for you for the season. I pulled five cards. And then I'm going to get into dates and give an outline of the season for you because I know that there are some of you who really enjoy getting your calendar out and having this information as a guide and a support for you throughout the four weeks of uh, sun in Aquarius, sun in whatever the sign is that I'm giving this. So this is for you. Thank you for letting me know that you appreciate it. If at any time during this you think to yourself, I really like this, or this is really helpful, or this is interesting and I'm learning things, I would be so grateful if you would rate or review the podcast to help other people find me. Thank you. So let us begin then. Aquarius, um, for me, beginning to think about Aquarius would start with the fact that it's an air sign. So there are four elements that we work with in the language of astrology. And air has to do with mental, uh, communicative, um, relating functions in a human. Um, air has to do with the movement of words, the movement of ideas, the movement of paradigms or frameworks as understood, as persuaded, as argued, as spoken by, as intuited by from one person or group to another person or group. And so air is a really big part of our lives. Uh, me speaking here right now is using the air element. We all have our own unique way of working with air, of having gifts or struggles with how we, how we bring air to our lives and to others and how we receive. We have our ways of doing air. So what I'm interested in then is helping you attune to how Aquarius does air then. So then we would add in some other ways of talking about Aquarius. So because Aquarius is a middle sign of the season, we call it a fixed sign. All of the signs that are in the middle parts of seasons are fixed because it's like they're rooting into the essential nature of whatever that season is about. So Taurus, Leo, Scorpio, and Aquarius. 
So the fixed parts of who you are, the fixed part of you that is Aquarius, would be then rooted in your mental ways of doing things, like your um, the way your brain works, the way you receive concepts, um, the ways you want to relate to other people. So we're the Aquarius part of ourselves is where we can be fixed into our ideals, our um, our larger goals for humanity in terms of ideas that would help humanity. Um, it's where we believe we know, you know, it's, I know it's where you believe yourself to know the answers that will be the best thing for you and for other people. And the, the, the community aspect of what I'm saying here has to do with another factor of Aquarius, which is that it is a transpersonal sign or a collective type of sign. And what that means is that in its nature, um, the Aquarius part of who we are opens out into thinking about how working with this energy might be helpful to more than just ourselves and more to, than just our interpersonal relationships, but would actually be something um, uh, useful or beneficial uh, to the larger community. So wherever we are transpersonal is where we're thinking beyond our own selves and beyond our own interpersonal relationships. And Aquarius helps us do that. Each sign helps us do a variety of different things in this way. And that's what's very interesting about learning the signs. So Aquarius then is transpersonal fixed air. So if you put that together, you can think about how that speaks to how we create ways of thinking and ways of relating and ways of communicating that stretch beyond ourselves that we feel rooted in, you know, that we, that we feel sure of, we feel more certain about because the fixed parts of ourselves are where we find our yes and our no. The fixed parts of ourselves is where we um, root down in assurance about a thing and we're harder to change there. We're harder to um, convince otherwise. And we want other people to hear ourselves at our fixed places and we want people to agree with us where we are fixed often. So Aquarius then, fixed transpersonal air, feel into, attune to this part of who you are. If you know your chart, you can think about where do I have Aquarius? Um, what house is it in then? And then you can think about what does that house represent? What are the f affairs of that house? Whether you have any planets there or not, you have Aquarius governing some way that you do your life. And so you can think about, is this the area of my life where I tend to um, fix into my ways of thinking about things in a broad collective way? So when we think about Aquarius, the symbol for Aquarius is the water bearer. Um, and so this can be confusing because it's not a water sign. Uh, it's not a water sign. It's an air sign. 
And you know, the glyph for Aquarius is two wiggly lines, and that can be confusing because it can it looks like waves. And so again, there can be this um, confusion about Aquarius being a water sign, but it is an air sign. And in this case, the water bearer of Aquarius is really a bringer of nourishment to the community, and that nourishment comes in the forms of invention, creativity, new ideas, um, reform, progress, all ways that we can bring ideas to the group in ways that will be supportive to the group. So the water bear in, in this framework, the water represents that which nourishes in the, the mental realm, in the air realm. And so in the tarot, the, the card for Aquarius, we associate with the star. And usually in the star, there is some kind of figure that's playing a water-bearing type role, depending on the deck that you're using. And again, this idea is that the figure is uh, and somehow in touch with is connected to that which will nourish often the figure has one vessel like a water vessel in water relating with water which would represent the unconscious or the beyond or mystery and the other vessel is pouring that water out into the earth which is suggests like bringing those ideas down to the earthly plane for all of us to benefit from watering the planet with those ideas. Um, and the starry, starry sky that's around the figure in the star relates to the, the element of the cosmic, the transpersonal, the collective that Aquarius represents of being in access to downloads, to frequencies that are mysterious and are from all around us that give us ideas. And so everyone has Aquarius in their chart. We're all Aquarius. So you can think about times that you just, whenever you receive these big insights, a lot of us call them downloads, when you receive downloads and insights and they just sort of pop into your head and they're such great ideas and then you're able to bring them out into the world and other people are benefiting from them because they're such wonderful ideas and maybe they're bringing a framework that people haven't even seen before and it's really unique and it's original and it's surprising and it's maybe even shocking because like where did it come from but here it is. That's all very Aquarius because it's tapping into air ideas from someplace beyond yourself, cosmic, collective, transpersonal, in ways that are helpful to the community, that water bear bringing these ideas. And usually that part of ourselves um, feels really connected and um, perhaps even merged with those ideas then which helps us to root into them and to fix into them and to feel really confident about them um the the part of us that's Aquarius speaks with great um determination and verb and verve and confidence about the ideas that you have received and really desires everyone else to get on board with that 
you know, so there's like a stubborn nature to um, our connectedness to the downloads um, that we feel that we are supported by, that are encouraging us for what we're trying to do here in the world. So Aquarian people can be very inspiring because they are so they're so tied to, they're aligned with the downloads that they receive in a way that has this like certainty, um, assurance, which has a lot of leadership qualities to it, you know, because it's, it's like that person is really, really connected to what they're saying. You know, that person is really connected to these big ideas that they're bringing in. Um, and this is a great gift to us, right? The Aquarian aspect of ourselves is a great gift to everyone. Because Aquarius is, a t- is tied to like the idea that we're all stars in this great big galaxy of stars. And we, by by. F- by tapping into the illumination of our um, brilliance, our inventiveness, our creativity, our, our own personal genius, and then magnifying that out to everybody else and like connecting to other people's genius and connecting to other people's brilliance and like then everybody cheering each other on in this kind of like web of stars in the galaxy we are like living the Aquarius dream. So it's not about being like the only special person with the great ideas with Aquarius. It's really about um, getting everybody to get on board with your own Aquarian and cheer- cheerleading on everybody else's Aquarius too. And like everyone's feeding each other's um, cosmic dream and cosmic vision. And figuring out ways then to show up and serve and make possible that vision. It's very exciting, future-oriented, change-loving, uh, change paradigm-shifting, uh, tradition-breaking energy. So you, you can attune to that in yourself. Like, how do you attune to being a kind of brilliant inventor of new paradigms how do you attune to the idea of having ideas of progress or reform that you want to see and how you um, root into those so that they can bring a form of liberation to you and to everyone else in your lived experience the ruling planet of aquarius is saturn traditionally, which gives a lot of qualities to Aquarius energy. The the planets that rule the signs infuse those signs with their qualities and inspire that sign in us to do the work of that sign and to be that sign and to live that sign. So Saturn is the ruler of Aquarius and Saturn also rules Capricorn. Those are the two signs that um, Saturn rules. 
the winter signs, the first two signs of winter are both governed, those signs that are covered by Saturn. And you think about winter in the Northern Hemisphere being a time when we need to we need to tap into our inner resources. You know, we need to connect with the work that we want to see in the world and how we play a role in showing up for that. Because we're not so much like um, dancing out on the, in the meadow right now, right? Because it's cold in the Northern Hemisphere. We're more in, we're inside, and we're connected to the, wor- the work that we do. And we're finding our endurance, you know, winter, tapping into our deep endurance and our um, inner storage organs to think about like what plants do in winter, tapping into our nutritional storage organs, our root resources to help us endure, to help us endure, to help us be patient, to help us show up, even though, you know, it's not really the time of year when we have that like more playful exuberant attitude towards life no it's more the time of life where we're more serious and we're more responsible and enduring this is when we're tapping into our inner elder the inner elder deep within inside of us and that is saturn that is what saturn is it's our inner elder our inner crone our inner self that is very responsible and shows up for our lives. So Saturn governs Aquarius energy, and it's the part of the Aquarian. If you know any strongly Aquarius people, that you know that they are very hard workers. Like, they're here to work. They're here to work. Not work as in drudgery, as in work that they find to be very important. It's very important. They are aligned with the downloads they're receiving, that this is the work that they're here to do in this life. And they, they're connected and they're merged with the importance of that work because it's beyond themselves. It's beyond themselves. It's transpersonal. It's cosmic. It's collective. And they know they have an important role. And a lot of that has to do with showing up and doing the work. It might have a lot to do, too, with constellating other people together around that work and around the hopes and dreams that are tied to that work. So when we're in Aquarius season, it's a continuation of the Capricorn Saturnian rulership, this idea of kind of consolidating within, constricting within, connecting to our discipline, connecting to endurance and to patience. But when it's in when we're talking about aquarius it's more airborne less heavy because capricorn is earth it's heavier than i'm sorry about the lawnmower in my neighborhood if you hear it the modern ruler of aquarius is uranus and uranus is a very different energy than saturn um uranus is an energy that is about um, innovation. Uranus is the great awakener. 
Uranus energies, unpredictable, sudden, quickly evolving, very destabilizing. It's the energy of electricity. It comes in and brings a lot of insight, and it's also um, very, uh, like, hard to hold down. So this also gives that Aquarian energy, if you know strongly Aquarius people, or maybe you are one and you know, the, or you, and you know this in yourself, that kind of eccentricity of being out of the box, being um, genius at quick ideas of sudden realizations, aha moments, and that can seem erratic to some people. So sometimes Aquarius energy, Uranian energy can be erratic. It can uh, be unstable because there's like this energy that comes in a lot. And um, the, we may feel like we're, we need to do something with this energy. Or we need to do something with the idea. We need to do something with the, the invention of the mind that's coming in. And thus, Aquarius energy can be a lot for the nervous system. And we associate... Aquarius actually with the nervous system in medical astrology. So um, there, because there's just so much moving through the body system uh, and the connectivity of synapses that create ideas and responses um, that go from idea to word making, wordsmithing and relating and communicating, that the body is holding a lot of energy. So when we're working with the Aquarius part of ourselves, there's also a call into attuning to the nervous system and attuning to um, tools for stabilizing the nervous system. And this is all really, really, really important for 2021 because these two rulers of Aquarius, Saturn and Uranus, square three times this year. If you don't know what that means, it just means that they're going to be um, in a 90-degree angle three times over the course of this year. And I'll be talking about that um, more in a minute when I talk about this coming cycle's astrology because we'll have the first of these squares at the very end of it. These squares will take place across the entire year. And they're going to be happening in two fixed signs, places where we're less likely to want to change, like more rooted into who we are, more sure that we know what we're talking about or we know what we're doing or we know what our values are. And, you know, there's a resistance to change. But the squares between Saturn and Uranus this year are going to really push us into change. There's no getting around it. You're already feeling it. And what I think about as someone who's very interested in self-healing and like, what are the tools? What are the tools we need to help ourselves? What's important to me to think about is how to caretake the body, how to caretake the nervous system when it's going through a lot of electricity, like a lot of destabilization, a lot of um, um, activation. And what are the tools that I have, that you have, that we have 
to help the body recover safety, to help the body feel safe when there's so much activation that's happening. So that we can be with the change that's trying to come through us, you know, and be able to hear it and to listen to it and um, hold with it, you know, hold with the knowings and just trust that we can take our time with this change. It's going to happen. It is happening. And that um, radical awakening uh, is here and how to just keep the body okay through the realizations and the aha moments and the triggers that will unfold in this process. So at a high level, a huge theme for me of the year is um, this idea of the seeking of tools, the uh, magnetizing of tools to find safety in the body. So I'm going to offer that to you as like a large theme for the year for you to um, take what you want with that. Um, you may find that that really resonates. Like what are the tools for safety? What are the tools for recovering feelings of safety in the body? For my part, I have been enormously helped from learning about um, some from learning somatic healing techniques from Luis Mojica of Holistic Life Navigation. I also learn a lot from Renee Sills at Embodied Astrology. I learn a lot from Natasha Levenger of Holistic, Holistic Highest Light Healing, also starts with an H. Um, there are a lot of tool givers out there. And there's a lot of nutritional support too. Um, adaptogens, nervines, um, decreasing caffeine, adding beans to your meals. Um, there, there are nutritional ways to help with the uh, activation of adrenaline in the body to help come back to some self, self-soothing and to grounded uh, self-care and to um, calming of the nervous system. I think that those are some really great tools to think about for everyone as you move through the year because it's really hard to create. It's hard to dream. It's hard to show up. It's hard to enjoy life when you're feeling very activated, when, when you're feeling um, charged in ways that are uncomfortable. And... Each person's commitment to their own safety in the body is a service to everyone. Um, Certainly, I felt so much this year, this past year, that my ability to self-regulate my own system and keep it calm and my inabilities to do that some days are very very uh um like there are consequences for my daughters right there are consequences for the people in my life 
when I'm charged and I feel ungrounded. And so I realized when I was doing my Seeding the Year workbook um, and honoring 2020 in the first part of it, I realized that so much of 2020 was my search for tools to find safety in the body and the relationship that that, uh, like how my search was really tied to my desire to be the best parent I can be in a time that I, that none of us signed up for, you know? And that I didn't get any parent ed around, <laughs> right? Uh, there was no parent ed for uh, raising your kids in a pandemic. And it became very clear that for my, my baby girls here, I can't do everything for their bodies, but I can keep my body as regulated as possible. And that way they can regulate off my nervous system. And this is a concept that I've learned from Louise, uh, co-regulation. And you can learn all about co-regulation from Louise's website and from his Instagram feed. It's a great term. It's now like in my, in my embodiment, you know, I'm using it all the time. So I hand that to you in case that's helpful. Hmm. So thus, <laughs> thus, when we are moving into Aquarius season, as we are now, we're moving into a very activated cycle, right? It's a very activated season. And, um, there's a lot going on. We're going to have a Mercury retrograde in Aquarius. We're going to have an, a, a very, very packed house in Aquarius where everything is basically in Aquarius. Um, um, some days, when, especially like when the moon's there too, everything will be in Aquarius. That's a personal planet except um, Mars, which is in Taurus, which is another fixed sign. So like another... So inflammation and pushing where we're not wanting to change so much, you know, like we're, we're more fixed about how we tend to be. And so that's just a lot of like, kind of like trying to push the bull, you know, like trying to push that part of self that is a little less um, wielding or is that the yielding to what life's bringing and we don't like that typically as humans because we like keeping with what we already know and with what we've already proven to ourselves that we like. And so there will be activation because we're going to be invited into figuring out how to work with this energy. Um, I wanted to share some thoughts that I had before I get into the dates Honest, from a section that I wrote for my Living the Signs Aquarius workbook, and it's called Aquarius and Connectivity. And in it, I'm trying to piece together a lot of different ideas that I've had growing about Aquarius and that I want to share. Um, because I think it really, together, this will help you attune to Aquarius in new ways and let it activate your imagination or capture your imagination or light up your imagination as you lean into what Aquarius may mean for you this coming Aquarius season. 
So I write that in medical astrology, Aquarius rules the nervous system, among other body parts like the ankles. The nervous system is a fascinating and complex communication technology of the body. It sends signals in response to the external environment. It's a survival mechanism. In the past couple of years, I, like so many people, have become interested in learning how and why my body has automatic responses that relate to past traumas. Epigenetics and other sources that are truly beyond the capacity of my intellectual skill to figure out. I became interested in this field when I was training in energy healing and learned to become more attuned to my body's triggers in the present moment. I had been numb to these before. And so I wanted to understand. I learned that healing my body's automatic nervous system responses would require somatic healing, which focuses on body awareness. In the process, I've become much more sensitive to how interconnected my body is to the world around me. Our personal nervous system, like all nervous systems, is not isolated from the environment. We are connected to everything and everyone around us. And this is Aquarius. I have long been fascinated by rhizomes as a metaphor for connectivity. Rhizomes are subterranean plant stems that send out roots in various directions. Examples include ginger, turmeric, galangal, rhubarb, and lotus. In A Thousand Plateaus, French philosophers Gilles Deleuze and Félix Guattari developed the analogy between the rhizome and how thought patterns work between people. I quote, As a model for culture, the rhizome resists the organizational structure of the root tree system which charts causality along chronological lines and looks for the original source of things and looks toward the pinnacle or... Um, Yes. Let me start again. As a model for culture, the rhizome resists the organizational structure of the root tree system, which charts causality along chronological lines and looks for the original source of things and looks towards the pinnacle or conclusion of those things. A rhizome, on the other hand, is characterized by ceaselessly established connections between semiotic chains, organizations of power, and circumstances relative to the arts, sciences, and social struggles. Rather than narrativize history and culture, the rhizome presents history and culture as a map or wide array of attractions and influences with no specific origin or genesis for a rhizome has no beginning or end. It is always in the middle between things interbeing intermezzo. The planar movement of the rhizome resists chronology and organization, instead favoring a nomadic system of growth and propagation. I write, if we accept the rhizome framework for the self within the collective, then it becomes easier to understand how we also have a collective nervous system. Groups of people unconsciously train each other to have similar automatic responses to what the group has determined is safe or threatening. This is part of how we're all connected and has profound consequences. As I've learned from Resma Menicum's um, Maybe Your 
Maybe your caregiver never verbalized that the presence of a black, white, brown, or police body was a threat. But as a child, you could unconsciously sense the tightening of their nervous system in the presence of certain bodies, which they too had learned only unconsciously from their own caregiver. As children, we do not have the capacity to regulate our own nervous system. This is really important point to digest. Children co-regulate with the other systems in the environment, people, animals, plants, even objects like dolls. The idea is to learn how to find safety in the body so that in adulthood you are able to self-regulate. Throughout our lives, we co-regulate anytime we begin to mirror the nervous system of the people or group we're around. For example, if you feel calm and grounded under, around a calm, grounded person or angry and stressed around an angry, stressed person, then you are co-regulating off other people as opposed off of other people as opposed to self-regulating. If your caregivers triggered your nervous system, then your nervous system might expect destabilization from other people in adulthood. The drama of feeling triggers triggered may feel like safety because it's what you knew as a child. And I offer a bunch of resources for um, if that's resonating for you, including reading The Body Keeps the Score, My Grandmother's Hands, It Didn't Start With You, and Burnout, and the podcast Holistic Life Navigation, Embodied Astrology, and Cosmic Cousins. And then I also recommend my teacher, Deborah Krebens, of Deep Spirit Medicine. I continue. And also, if your co-regulator in childhood routinely became triggered in the presence of bodies of difference, then your body learned to do the same. And you have to train it to rewire, to rewire the auto response. We are all connected. This is why anti-racism work cannot ignore the somatic component to healing and change. In other words, the healing revolution cannot be achieved by intellectual or legal paradigm shifts alone. As I discussed in the previous section on Aquarius as the futurist, the person who sniffs out the much-needed paradigm shift is the one most attuned to the malfunction in the current system. At the level of the nervous system, this means the willingness to notice when we're carrying triggers that negatively impact the collective. Murmuration and emergence are related concepts we can attune to in order to further a discussion of connectivity. These are terms we associate with birds that flock together in formation. By seeming magic, birds are able to rapidly read their neighbor and know how to move next. They do it together so that the whole flock appears to be one large organism. This relates to Aquarius as a star among many stars across the whole galaxy. In an article titled The Secrets and Science Behind Starling Murmuration by John Donovan, bird scientist Mario Sendorfer shares, quote, There's two ways that you can elicit large group behavior. You can have the top-down control where you have some kind of leadership or some kind of top-down mechanism. Think of a rock show. You have the rock star in the front and he starts clapping his hands and the whole stadium starts clapping. 
But these murmurations are actually self-organized, meaning that it's the individual's little behavioral roles that make it scale up to the large group. In order to understand this behavior, we have to go to the local scale. What is the individual doing? What are the rules that the individual is following? To the global scale, what is the outcome? So powerful. This local to global, this is me again, this local to global aspect of murmuration, which is more fractal and rhizometric as opposed to top down, is reflected in the Aquarius ideal of transpersonal connectivity. What also interests me here is about Aquarius is the aspect of mind reading. There's something of the mind reader in Aquarius energy. The ability to just know what the collective wants, needs, and has to have next. There is a telepathic quality to Aquarius and all of the transpersonal signs, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces, each operating through the gifts of their element. In order to start, lead, and grow a movement, a very Aquarian thing to do, a very transpersonal person, VTPs as I call them, is often gifted with telepathic abilities whether they know it or not. Big leaders, especially reforming ones, tend to have Aquarius placements along with those in one or more of the other transpersonal signs. Martin Luther King, for example, had Mercury in Aquarius with Sun in Capricorn and Moon Venus in Pisces. He was a tireless and enduring hard worker, Cap, with deep wells of empathy and imagination, Pisces, who communicated and thought as a reformer and organizer, Aquarius. The February half of Aquarius season is known in the U.S. as Black History Month. February was chosen in honor of Black abolitionist Frederick Douglass's birthday, February 14th. Douglass understood deeply that we are all connected and he wasn't afraid to speak deep truth directly. You can feel the Aquarian in such words as, quote, a man's character always takes its hue, more or less, from the form and color of things about him. Find out just what any people will quietly submit to, and you have the exact measure of the injustice and wrong which will be imposed on them. Power concedes nothing without a demand. It never did, and it never will. Where justice is denied, where poverty is enforced, where ignorance prevails, and where any one class is made to feel that society is an organized conspiracy to oppress, rob, and degrade them, neither persons nor property will be safe. Each of these, this is me again, each of these takes as a given that individuals and groups act and react based on relational and social dynamics. We are all connected. There is no personal without the political. Douglas was a VTP, born with Sun, Venus, and Aquarius, Mercury, Jupiter, and Capricorn, and Saturn, and Pisces. And I go on, I talk about the collective air of Aquarius as the World Wide Web. I talk about it as cults, because, um, you know, it's a neutral thing. It can go different ways. Um, culty stuff is Aquarius, too collective ideas, right, that you're really certain about. (laughs) I share that um, one of the most skillful individuals at bridging people's hearts and minds across technologies of communication in our lifetime has been Oprah Winfrey. 
Ophrah is a VTP. Aquarius, Sun, Mercury, Venus, Sag, Moon, Rising, with North Node and Capricorn. And for years in her talk show, Oprah utilized the technology of television to transmit stories about the human experience. With guest after guest, Oprah helped every viewer connect to truths which we all share and to feelings which can, we can all relate and know in ourselves. Oprah wasn't speaking to each of us individually. These were not intimate one-on-one -on -one sessions, but they felt like it. She made the transpersonal feel both interpersonal and personal. This is the best of Aquarius, to take big lofty ideals and truths from the cosmic sky above and set them down to feel a home in your heart. What grows is from these star seeds becomes your guide to a life of purpose, connection, and significance. As Oprah teaches, quote, the key to realizing a dream is to focus not on su success, but significance that even the small steps and little victories along your path will take on greater meaning. And then I share that across 2018 and 2019 on his excellent podcast, Cosmic Cousins, the astrologer Jeff Hinshaw held a loving tournament for the queen of each sign and Oprah was queen of Aquarius. And then I share that I had asked Jeff if he wanted to contribute any words to this book, this workbook, because Jeff is an Aquarius rising and an Aquarius sun, which I know because I've listened to his podcast often. And he always speaks with such eloquence about Aquarius. And he was so kind to offer some words from my workbook, which I'll share to you here on Moon to Moon. He says, quote, when working with Aquarius, whether you are an Aquarius or experiencing a transit, you answer to the law of vibration. Every thought you experience, whether your own or someone else's in the collective, creates a ripple through time and space. This is why it's so important for Aquarius to spend time away from the group, to get very clear on their own unique frequency. Once this connection is made, Aquarius then broadcasts their radical vision out to the world. Right? That's the, that's the water bear. That's the star, I would say. And Jeff would agree with me because he very much um, blends tarot with astrology as I do. He shared finally these words of wisdom for you, dear listener. Trust on the, in the radical voice inside urging you to expand beyond once again. Take a moment to pause and reconsider the magnificent splendor of you. Check in with your future self for guidance on present day possibility. Mm, I like that. Check in with your future self for guidance on present day possibility. Mm, the inner elder. Yep, the inner elder, that's Saturn. The Saturn rulership of Aquarius. So... Now, before I move into the dates, what I would like to do is share with you a tarot poll I did for us to share on the podcast for medicine for us for this season, this Aquarius season. And I pulled from my new deck, the Brady Tarot, which was a gift to me from a client, student, and dear friend now. You know who you are. And I'm so grateful to have this deck in my life 
from the very first pull, I can tell that this is going to be a very deep relationship. The, the art of this deck by Emily Brady is all of North American wildlife and in deep respect to indigenous cultures of North America and to all sentient beings um, on this continent. And uh, they're beautiful. So you don't need to know anything about the tarot, though, to receive this, in- this insight. Hmm. So the first question I asked of the deck uh, was, what is the medicine for us? Like, what's the medicine card of the coming Aquarius season? And what came forward is the father of feathers, which is like the king of wands in a more traditional deck. So fire, elder, elder energy of fire, leader energy of fire, master ways of working with fire in the environment. And in this picture, you see this hawk and it's on a sitting on the throne of a post looking at a kind of huge spread of fire of like a wildfire burning even and in the guidebook which is written by Rachel Pollock who's one of the great tarot writers of our time she talks about the idea of the fire as purifier and fire as bringer of creative energy for change. Creative energy for change. And this hawk looks at the fire and studies it before making some kind of move. It looks like it's about to potentially take off, but it's studying it first. And so what feels like it's coming through for us is this idea of um, readiness, Readiness to be with the cycles of creation and destruction that are present right now. To be with and in discerning discerning presence with, as opposed to denial or escape, with what's here to die and, and become something else. And um, I feel that very much as a, as a personal call-in. Um, I feel myself in rapid change. And uh, it's very exciting and yet... Um, I have some, I have voices that are like, well, hold on though, hold on. <laughs> like, you're that I'm not used to that. I'm not used to that. You know, like, I'm not, don't know if I'm ready to go there yet. Can we stay in the theoretical version of that for a little bit before we actually embody it? You know? Um, and I, but I'm feeling a call in for um, the release of that hold. And, uh, but what is necessary is a kind of readiness and discernment to 
trust in purification and the radical processes of evolution that unstable planetary energies like Uranus will bring for us this particular year. Um, there's no way this cycle, this Aquarian cycle we have right here is going to tell us everything. There is no way we can know where we're going. Um, the, the, the invitations that are present are totally, there's just no knowing where we, what we can do with the possibilities that are present right now, especially together. But I feel like the ability to just be with it, like this is here, okay, I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm, I'm in awe. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna probably fly out of the way in just a second, <laughs> just to kind of get a different perspective of it, right? Like, but I'm, I'm, I'm witness. I'm witness to a lot of change, and it's kind of breathtaking and scary. And I trust that it's purifying for me, for my family, for my communities for my country, for all of us. I trust that so much is on its way out that needs to go. And I'll be okay. You know, we'll be okay. So the card that came next is, the question was, how do I show up? I love these cards because it's like, well, what's the homework? <laughs> like, tell me what the homework is. The homework is temperance. How great is that if you know the tarot? Temperance, this idea of um, alchemizing ourselves into new ways of being, parts of self that maybe we forgot about can suddenly come forward to have a way of mixing with our current states to come up with alternative ways of being to hold us through this change and to trust in transformation. Radical transformation is here. Temperance is all about that, of hybridities, of um, alchemical processes, of dissolving one thing in, in order to coagulate and come into another way of being and that's happening to us individually and it's happening in our families and it's happening everywhere because we're all connected Aquarius um when I asked how do I trust and change how do we trust and change eight of cups came which of course is perfect um, in this deck, the eight of it's the eight of horns, and it's t called departure. And so, the eight of cups for me is a, a lunar journey. It's there's usually a moon pictured. Uh, it's usually a, a nocturnal scene, as it is in this deck, that has to do with, um, in this case, a leaving behind of a carcass or a shell of who we were um, in order to rise up and beyond and move to new places um, like leaving behind a chrysalis of some kind or leaving behind a, a shell that you lived in 
and trusting that you will find the way to go because you're guided by your intuition and the moon has you. The moon holds you when you trust in your inner guidance. And so trusting into change means to trust in one's inner guidance and intuition that it's appropriate and right. Eight of Cups to me is always about an appropriate walking away. It's a, a maturation emotionally of taking care of self. I asked, what are the gifts of this trust and change? And I got the chariot, which is a card very much about trusting in one's intuition, trusting in the flow of things, trusting in your creative intelligence, trusting in yourself and the shell of the life that you've built and in the chariot that you've built for yourself, which is your body, which is your identity, trusting that you can shift and you can um, turn and you can stop and you can guide yourself when you are in like alignment with your intuition and with divine. So the gifts of trusting in eight of cups, the gifts of trusting and alchemizing oneself and to change transformation, purification, the gifts are a stronger sense of trust in everything about your identity and how you're moving through your life. And then I asked for an extra special message, like what else do we need to know? And what came forward is the ace of feathers, which is like the ace of wands, here called inspiration, which has a recall back to the father of feathers because in both of them we see a huge fiery like fire scene in this case there's like this big huge feather and there's fire all around it and it's touching the ground as if there's it's in an electrical storm and in fact we do see storm clouds and birds flying around with this electricity it's like very uranian very aquarian energy it's it's wanting to come through when we're dealing with ace of wands there's this fire energy that wants to move through us and all we have to do is listen and allow it to move through us and just not block it you know just like let it ripple through and listen be with it but you don't have to do anything you don't have to do anything we tend to get really worked up and like clenched when we think that we're supposed to do something. And we're like, what do I do? I don't want to do it wrong. But it's like, we don't have to do anything. It's happening. It's already here. It's here. It just wants to roll through you and teach you what it wants to be, what you want to be, what wants to come through you. This is like so much uh, destruction creation vibing in this um, spread and the ways of like being with that all are about attunement and listening and like letting things flow letting things flow through letting things just be without having to like act on anything it's just trust listening attunement flow letting yourself just kind of like process through this the waters, the waters of this change. Let the waters like cool you down that feel heated and activated. 
cooling processes brings calm, what cools you, what soothes you, what helps you process and soothe things out. Hmm. Yes, three scenes of water bridge these fiery, like birth, destruction, creation scenes. And so I'm feeling that water is the medicine. And now for the astrology of Aquarius season. So let's first recenter to the idea that we are beginning Aquarius season inside of the new moon and Capricorn lunar cycle, which started at the night of the 12th or 13th, depending on where you are in the mainland USA. So that lunar cycle for me really initiates 2021 because we begin the Gregorian calendar year with a waning moon and a lot of waning energy which has been and was really beautiful for honoring 2020, letting go, celebrating everything you learned, naming it, determining what you're leaving behind, just processing everything that it was, and being in a kind of amoebic place where you can feel the coming year, but it's not really quite making sense to you yet or like it hasn't quite been time to completely cast out the goals and intentions maybe you don't feel like this and that's totally fine but for a lot of people including myself it just it just was a still a wane. it was a waning it was a waning time <laughs> so since the new moon in capricorn um the 12th 13th it has been a time to settle down into, okay, here we go, <laughs> and um, cast out just what, what's, what's the dream? What does the dream want to be? How do I want to feel? What do I want to learn this year? What might I want to call into form? How might I want to be in relation with other people? in my home, in my body, all the ways in which we can feel called into dream and uh, intention, as opposed to New Year's resolution, you know, really thinking about this idea that I've been proposing, this idea of intention as sentient beings, uh, intentions as sentient beings, and being in relationship with our goals as if they're other types of beings that we would be in relationship with, which means we listen to them, which means we sit back and ask, you know, what, what do you want? What do you need from me right now? What does this need from me right now? And allowing that answer to come through maybe differently than our ego might want it to come through. And this idea that intentions as sentient beings allows for a more vibrant flowering of what you want to have happen than if you're like in this like will state constantly of like push and action, you know? So um, whatever you may have called in that new moon, maybe you haven't yet and that's perfectly fine. You still can whenever you're listening. 
that is with us for the first part of the Aquarius season until we get to the new moon in Aquarius, which was not until February 11th. And so now is the time to allow a flowering forth, a um, bubbling forth, that percolating of, uh, I hear it. I, I hear, I hear the year calling me in and what does it want from me? You know, uh, it's very exciting. It's very sacred to me. I actually feel tearing up thinking about that. Um, and, uh, Aquarius is just such a great energy for holding hopes and dreams. It's really the sign of hopes and dreams in terms of, um, uh, ideas and downloads. I feel like a Pisces's hopes and dreams um, in terms of like felt watery attunement, that's how they're connected. So uh, Pisces will keep like holding us onto this, right? And then Aries is like the birth energy um, of like um, emergence through, uh, through the, into, onto the plane. I'm getting ahead of myself. So if astrology proposes that the beginning of something carries an energy that can tell us a lot about the life of whatever the thing is going to be across time, like a birth chart does for ourselves, then the birth moment of Aquarius season can tell us a lot about what Aquarius season will be like is the idea. And so when I cast the chart for the moment that the sun passes into Aquarius um, from the perspective of where I am in the central time zone in Dallas, Texas, it's a very compelling chart. And I'd like to tell you about it, even though for friends on the West Coast and the East Coast or beyond North America, your um the moment chart will look different for you depending on where you're from. But let's let's just roll with what I see from for the imagination, however, wherever you happen to be. Just walk with me on this and we'll experiment. So when I cast the chart from Dallas, it's a Gemini rising chart. Um, and interesting, it holds Rahu, the north node, right at the ascendant point. So it's a Rahu rising or a North node rising moment that Aquarius, um, sun enters Aquarius. And for me, this has, uh, this is important. It feels really important and actually interesting enough. The, um, the moment of the new moon from Dallas, Texas, uh, February 11th also has Rahu, um, a degree away this time, um, dawning at the ascendant on the eastern horizon. So what does that mean? What's my point? It's suspicious because Rahu is a very um, initiating, hungry, driving invitation. It's... Um, it's a it's an arrow forward. It's a call forward. 
It's dawning in the moment that the sun crosses into Aquarius. And for me, that feels important, suggesting like what is something is trying to pummel forward. Something is an energy is trying to be seen and witnessed right now. And it has a Gemini flavor, which is also an air sign and beautifully related to Aquarius then because Gemini creates a lovely what's called a trine in astrology it's a it's an easy relating line between signs because they're both the same elements so from Gemini um, which is an air sign that's very interested in ideas very interested in conversations very interested in choices and not being boxed in very interested in uh, wordsmithing and storytelling and language and rhetoric. It is interested in talking, chatting, being social in order to know itself. It, it, it's an energy that finds meaning through the search for, for finding meaning. It's a searching, questing vibration that moves around a lot. It's very moving. Um, as air, it's just like, you know, spring wind with pollen that flows all around, butterflies, bumblebees, Gemini. So it's this Gemini energy that's coming forward, and that places then Aquarius in, a, in the ninth house of how we make meaning, how we, how we structure our beliefs, how we... Uh, feel into thought systems that work for us for how to explain the world. Like, how do we explain the world? How do you explain your meaning? You know, when Aquarius is there for that, when Aquarius is um, the designated sign energy for that, that's about future, that's about progress, that's about reform, that's about change, that's about being cool with breaking with stale realities. So uh, very change-bringing vibe that has to me. And the ruler of Gemini, so the ruler of this chart then, is Mercury because Mercury rules Gemini. And where is Mercury then? Mercury is in Aquarius. And if you're not following the technicals, just relax and listen intuitively. Don't worry about listening analytically. Mercury is placed in an Aquarius and it's right up at the the top of the sky, the top of the sky, like um, a beacon to follow Mercury, right? Mercury in Aquarius is a very scientific mind. It's a reforming mind. Martin Luther King had um, Mercury in Aquarius. It's about being able to think forward. It's, it's about finding the language to inspire people, inspire, breathing, air, sign, inspire people to see the way forward. It's a mind that is ready for that. In the tarot, Mercury in Aquarius is six of swords, which is usually seen as like a process or a journey or a movement from one place to another place don't know where we're going necessarily, but we're going together and we're getting somewhere. 
And so, ooh, doesn't that just feel so good? You know, just like, yes, Mercury, top of the sky, Mercury and Aquarius. We're on a journey, a journey forward, a journey for progress, new ways of making meaning, new ways of understanding our place in the world. That's all ninth house. How can you be inspired by new ways of making meaning? What excites you? Astrology must excite you because you're listening to this. Astrology is very ninth house. Philosophy is very ninth house. Religion, spirituality, like um, ways of structuring spirituality and making it make sense to yourself. That's all ninth house. And Aquarius says forward, like let's come up with the new ways. As I talk about in the Aquarius workbook, the paradigm shifts because by kind of a freak deal, um, the malfunction in the system became apparent. And now that you know what you know, things have to change. But always with paradigm shifts, as we learned from Thomas Kuhn, always with paradigm shifts, it's a small group of people that are pushing this and everybody else is not interested. <laughs> everybody else is like, what? It's worked great. Like, why would we want to change this? It's always the... The Aquarian person, the futurist, who can see the malfunction and begins to gather other people that can see it too. Do you see this malfunction? Hmm, let's be inventive. You know, like, what is a solution? Like, what is a solution to this malfunction? How could we revision visionary Aquarius? How can we envision something different? that will um, solve this malfunction issue that we're now sensing that has been there all along. We just couldn't see it, you know? And it's like for years and years and, you know, in this history of science, you have centuries of like this small group of people, like the earth is, <laughs> the earth is not the center. <laughs> it's the sun. <laughs> Nobody wants to believe this, you know? And it's just the small group of people that just keep pushing and keep talking about it and keep talking about it. And it's beyond their lifespan sometimes when people are actually ready to listen. But it's important that those people are connected um, and talking to each other and creating community around the shared revisioning that we want to call in here. So I'm calling on a healing revolution for us. I'm feeling it for us. I want to work with you around this. Let's keep talking about it together. This is what we're calling in. Who are the people who want to talk with you about the revolution you want to see? Who are the people who are inspiring you, who are teaching you, who are calling you in, who are howling up to the moon and you hear it? Or who's coming when you howl up at the moon, calling in the new vision. You know, not everyone's going to hear. Not everyone's going to be interested. So it's like, let's not spend so much energy fighting those people as much as calling in what we want, right? Calling the people together who are here for it. Let's get stronger together, right? Through Mercury and Aquarius six of swords process together. Hmm. So that's what we have here at the beginning on the day uh, that I'm recording. I'm recording this. The first part I recorded um, as the sun was moving into Aquarius and now I'm doing it slightly after. 
carpool, you know? Sometimes we have to break work to pick up kids. So what's coming now? So on the 20th, this is calendar time. So now I'm going to move us through kind of all the ups and downs. If you're into calendaring this stuff, awesome. If you don't care for that and it kind of like stresses you out, you know, it like feels too uh, structured, like completely ignore that aspect and just focus on the, the vibration of the, the, the qualities that we're going to be in. So on the 20th, which is tomorrow, uh, Inauguration Day, uh, you may have heard that Mars will meet up with Uranus and Taurus. And um, I talked a little bit in the last seasonal report, I believe, about how Mars is a um, very skilled um, bringer of foreshadowing when um, it moves through a space that's going to continuously be activated by other planets because Mars is inflammation. So Mars like brings this inflammatory, like scratching, you know, separating fiery quality that inflames a principle or inflames an energy or inflames something that's ready to be um, brought forth that's emerging and it's like you know hot and dry and um, it's often like uncomfortable what Mars can do it's it's allowing us to see what we want to separate out Um, and the moon will also be in Taurus and the moon is our emotional uh, orientation in any given day. It shifts all the time, just like our moods. Moon rules moods. And so with moon there with them, um, the 20th could have a lot of um, aggravating energy, but the, the fact is it's already been doing this. It's been applying for several days you know it's been coming into we would say Uranus for some time now and in in the process of coming into Uranus the inflammation has been happening so it doesn't necessarily mean that there will be um, some kind of bomb that goes off on the 20th but I mean it can but it does um, because it's all it's in it's been in its process already so there it is on the 20th, and um, it's inflaming the, um, the energies that are, are bringing forth a kind of um, will to change that is erupting and destabilizing and thus in tension with the those the um barreling down the rooting down into uh holding what has always been or what has been um which we can all kind of vibe into collectively but you can think about in your own chart um 
because I like to think of it, everything as medicine, right? What is, what is needing to be separated out for you to be more present with the change that's trying to move through you in the part of you that is the most unwilling to change? So, um, Mars separates this, has this, this whole vibe of the 20th has lots of tower energy. Tower is about, you know, the people, um, jump out of the tower. So they separate away from it. So how are you separate? What needs to separate out? Is it a limiting belief? Is it a block of some kind? Is it a relational pattern? Um, is it a bias? Is it a, um, insistence on being a victim it's is it um white fragility like what is the thing that needs to be separated out so that you can get deeper into some of your uh, awakening change it's not easy it's not easy at all so to be gentle with yourself and very compassionate and put a huge buffer between you and other people, I would say. The 23rd on Saturday, Mars is square Jupiter. This is a pattern. This is the third of three. The first was August 8th. The second was October 18th. Um, they were in different signs then. They were in Aries and Capricorn, but this is like a concluding or an evolution of, or a, um, a new way of thinking about an old problem. And so I think that, you know, for my part, I went back and looked at my journals, because um, I did journal every day, so it's really easy for me to go track patterns. And for me, I had two things coming up both, of, both around both of those days. One was um, my daughters had an amplification of their nervous system stress, as in not sleeping, being afraid of kidnappers, um, nightmares, and me noticing in my journal, I'm noticing how hard it is on my nervous system when my daughters can't fall asleep because they're afraid. And um, I was realizing, like, I'm going to have to figure out how to keep myself calm because then we're just all amplifying each other. And so that's been something that um, here as this is approaching, I feel like I have just learned so many tools, so many tools in this area. And it's not that I'm like a model of patience all the time, but I just really feel so much more, more equipped for what what's going on with my daughter's sleep stuff. Um, so that's working with constriction. And the other thing I noticed both those days is I, both times I also was having a lot of information coming through around big heartedness and allowing myself to give and receive from my heart space more. And um, just noticing that I felt it was really important for me to open up where I tend to sometimes block or be hypervigilant or like afraid of being more heart-led. And so that's like about more expansion to me. So I think that, you know, I'm going to be attuned to see if those patterns return, but I'm not going to make them return. I'm just going to listen. But I'm just giving you an example of how you can follow a pattern. The sun is also with Saturn that day. 
And um, that happens once a year when the sun comes to wherever Saturn is. So the sun, I think, will illuminate for you what your Saturn journey is in Aquarius till March of 2023. Something I talk about a lot with people in my community, in my classes, and my Patreon. So I'm also going to be looking for like what wants to come through me in my 11th house. That's where I have Aquarius. And you can do that with your chart. Um, but remember that whenever we're learning things with Saturn, it can feel constricting or hard or like, oh, I, but I suck at this. <laughs> I'm doing such a terrible job. Like the inner critic comes forward, you know, and it's just like, um, that's just not helpful. It's really beautiful to be like, ah, third party position. How interesting that my inner critic is trying to tell me how I suck at this group thing, 11th house. Like, hmm, what is really the longing that wants to be here? And maybe what are some mindset shifts or ways of approaching my longing in this area of my life, my communities? Or like, what's another way in here? Or maybe what's some, some thing that I'm trying to force through that uh, I have to be? And maybe... Maybe like my preoccupation with being that is preventing me from some of the gifts that could be rolling in right now, that kind of a thing. And then working with Saturn becomes really so much more helpful. On Monday the 25th, the sun will square Uranus at six degrees. So pattern-wise, the sun was opposite Uranus on the full moon on Halloween when the full moon was in Taurus. So anything coming up then and then the full moon in Aquarius August 2nd the conjunction sun Uranus was April 26th and then the last time we had this particular square was January 23rd I'm telling you that in case you're somebody that really likes to go back and track don't worry about it if you don't but um because these are like difficult angles where we can get in the way of ourselves, um, where we're fixed and where we have squares, we might notice ways that we might have illumination of ways in which we are um, needing, to f needing to look at the house where we have Taurus in a different way because there's so much change going on there. And maybe um, the sun in, from Aquarius will illuminate some tension lines that can create some dynamic action if we're willing to look at ourselves from both places. So look to the houses where you have Aquarius and Taurus and think about, imagine, attune to how can I get these sides of me to dance together and talk to each other, to go on a date with each other. Thursday the 28th, we have the full moon, which uh, will be at 1.16 p.m. Central Time. And uh, that is going to be a full moon in Leo because the sun will be in Aquarius and Leo is the opposing sign. So Leo is really yummy medicine for Aquarius as all opposing signs are for each other. They give each other what the other needs. And we're going for embodied balance rather than compartmentalization of these parts of self. 
And so, you know, Leo is a fire sign. It's ruled by the heart. It's ruled by the heart and circulatory system. It's our fixed fire. It's how we want to play. It's how we want to share our fun and our light and our joy and our abundance. It relates to the first harvest where people would process through towns, handing out and showing off the, uh, the harvest. Here it is, everybody. Isn't life amazing? Now let's go like dance and sing and make love. So Leo helps our Aquarian be heart-led and listen to the people that we're trying to help, to the people in our communities, to the people who are bringing these great ideas as, as our water bearer. But hear them from a heart place, like actually see them as human beings and care for them from that place of heart listening. I love the full moon in Leo because I feel like it's this warm fire in the middle of winter and I feel very romantic and I feel very playful and I feel just the juiciness of Leo from that moon. Um, it's a beautiful moon to go witness wherever you are. Um, but it has a lot of tension in that uh, it's creating a what we call a T-square, which is where you have an opposition opposing 180 degrees and 290 degree angles, two squares. Because the sun in Aquarius and the moon in Leo will be both squaring the, um, the planets in Taurus there. Mars and Uranus. So there may be some aspect there that brings something forth to really see. And it might remind us of the time around Halloween. If you were journaling around then, you might get some repeat like downloads to help you understand the pattern that you're living. So I would definitely, again, make space, make lots of space for yourself this cycle. Give everything more time. Give people more space. Please don't be urgent with yourself and please don't be urgent with other people. Please don't be a perfectionist with yourself and please don't be a perfectionist with other people. I'm going to need space to process and that helps the nervous system from feeling stressed. So there's that. Um, I think that that could that time could be bringing in a lot of information for us. It could feel a little tense, maybe just because there's some inflammation that will be present. I'm going to be leaning into that Leo side and just really trying to call in some play, maybe even some like lion style resting. You know, where you just cuddle up. And like, turn off your notifications, right? Like, turn off your notifications during Aquarius season. Uh, There's my advice. (laughs) January 30th, Mercury retrograde begins. So all through that full moon, we've got Mercury slowing down this whole front end of Aquarius season. Mercury slowing down. And as this happens, we begin to notice that our communications, words, headlines, 
our ways of receiving the things we read or the things we hear and the way people receive what we say or what we write to them may not happen the way we want them to. And Mercury retrograde is three weeks and it's a time to review, to rewind, to rethink, to listen, so much listening. Because since the ancients, the idea is when a planet is retrograde, it is time to be in realignment with our relationship to that planet. And where is it in your chart? And in Aquarius, this is like our scientific thinker. Um, I love Mercury in Aquarius, but it's just going to be there a really long time because of this retrograde. So we're going to be learning a lot about the mind and the mind's relationship to the nervous system because Aquarius rules the nervous system and how um, the minds, um, how thoughts can uh, affect our body, right? And then our body goes into a response or a reaction, right? And then we learn things about ourselves when we react. So I would make some space for all of that. And I do, I like to do lots of journaling about my mental processes during, uh, before, during, and after Mercury retrograde. So I can just understand like my funny mind and how it just spins stories. You know, Mercury's the trickster in mythology. And, um, but Mercury is also a boundary uh, walker and a um, very creative part of who we are and a very part of our abstract mind, our magical ways of thinking. And the more you understand how your mind works and the more you understand how you, how you perceive, the more you become a magician with your mind. So Mercury retrogrades provide just so much opportunity to become more skillful as a magician with yourself. So let me put it that way, and so it doesn't sound so scary as the way it's often put forth in popular culture. It's for it's for learning why, so you can become more and more of a magician with your words. Because the way that you frame reality with your mind is the way you experience reality. You know, so if you can get more skilled with how your mind decides to decide what things mean and frame reality, you can shift your experience of reality. And that's pretty cool. And retrogrades with Mercury really give us a lot of information about where to help our mind out um, and uh, help um, shift patterns with the mind. So... um, The next thing I wanted to tell you is that on February 1st, Venus moves into Aquarius. So then we have yet another filter for our our filter for our experience coming from the Aquarius perspective. So when Venus moves into Aquarius, we'll have the Sun, Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, and Saturn all in Aquarius. That's a lot of Aquarius energy. Babies that are born in this month are going to be very Aquarian people. Um, so the importance of stating that, you know, because, you know, Venus brings beautiful things. Um, 
But it's just one more thing to think about of like attunement to the house where you have Aquarius. This is the time to really be listening and learning to what this house is trying to talk to you about because Saturn's just going to be staying there till March 2023 and Jupiter's there all year except for a brief period in Pisces, um, May, June. So it's a really great time to just get lots of information about how you do Aquarius so that you can take that and roll it into how Aquarius just keeps continuing to be a huge theme in your life for some time, especially vis-a-vis the affairs of the house where you have Aquarius. On February 8th, um, we begin a new Mercury cycle because um, the sun is moving forward in Aquarius, Mercury is moving backward in Aquarius, and when Mercury comes directly to the sun, we have something called Kazemi, which is when the sun and Mercury are together in the sky. Um, so that will begin a new Mercury cycle and end the one that we've been on since October 25th. So for those more advanced people who track Mercury cycles, I know most my listeners are probably not doing that, but I'm just letting you know if you do. And even if you don't, you can think about, you know, what have, what kind of learning journey have I been on about my mind, my communication style um, since uh, October 25th? And now you're beginning a new cycle and you can, whatever is coming towards you on the 8th will give you a lot of insight about what Mercury wants to work with you with. Like, what does Mercury want from you? And it's said that on the day of Kazemi, there is a great opportunity for divination, for downloads, for really great ideas. It's a great day to be in really deep listening as opposed to being around a lot of noise that will block you from hearing what Mercury wants to tell you. And then on the 10th, um yeah the 10th the 10th is a is a is a pickle of a day it's an interesting day <laughs> because we have mercury square mars which is which can be fairly intense communications um intense talking between peoples um aggressive language you know, putting those together. And meanwhile, the moon will then be in Aquarius too. And so the moon will be with Saturn, Jupiter, and Venus squaring Uranus while Mercury is square Mars. So this is all Aquarius to Taurus squares with like nearly everything in the sky. So if that's very... um combustible energy, tense energy. Um, You know, it's happening at the darkest of the moon because the very next day is the new moon. So that to me gives it qualities of, um, of potentially like an ending and a beginning, you know, Um, creation, destruction energy, because often on the dark moon, um, things get banished out or things get uh, melted off in some way. 
be gone to the fires. So what is that? That would definitely be a day to give yourself a lot of space from other people and potentially from notifications and media outlets. And then the very next day on the 11th at 1.06 p.m. is the new moon in Aquarius. And so um, for that new moon, which I'll talk a lot about more for people who are in my Patreon community, I do rising sign horoscopes by new moons at the $6 level. That's just a real call-in to feel into what you've been learning this whole time, this whole Aquarius season, and how to ground it and put it somewhere, channel it into a dream, into a vision, into an intention. It's a beautiful few days there, I would say, to write and write and write and write. What are your hopes and dreams? What are your hopes and dreams for yourself, for your work, for humanity, for your family, for your body, for your wealth, for the planet, for this country, if you're in the United States of America, for your country, wherever you are. What are your hopes and dreams? What are your visions? All possibilities exist. All possibilities exist. All possibilities exist. Might be a beautiful time to create something, to call in and ask for from spirit from your support from your guides for new visions to hold on to to inspire you for cosmic connection and um i'm feeling like it's a great time to call in the energy of the star if you work with the tarot what do you need you know what do you need well, it would feel really nice um, to support you as you dream. Um, yeah, so around those, um, like coming up soon after that, um, we have some easier energy. Um, after the new moon that really supports that dreaming because Venus will be making a lot of lovely aspects to different planets. So in those days after the new moon, like that's why it feels very star-like to me, this like energy of healing and water vibes of like feeling better, taking care of yourself, dreaming, loving people, loving pets, loving things, plants, loving ceramic vessels like whatever makes you feel good and because then we end Aquarius season with one of the huge big uh, moments of astrological alignments of the year which is Saturn square Uranus this is the key astrology of 2021 it's the first of three Saturn square Uranus the next is June 14th and then December 24th. So this is the key astrology of 2021. And the whole Aquarius season leading up to this is like building toward whatever this uh, is going to be about. Like we're learning. We don't really know. 
but we're listening. We're, we're listening. What's going on between Aquarius and Taurus in our, in our charts? We're just listening all cycle. And this is the beginning of like the knock on the door is really here. We're really finding out what this is about. I can't say collectively what it can be. It's really hard to make predictions when Uranus is involved. What I can speak to is your own chart and how you are reconstituting yourself right now as you move with change in ways that like you're not any getting anywhere close to finality or destination or knowing you but you may be learning how to work with the change that's coming in your life and what it wants from you so usually when there's one two three acts like one two three aspects like we're having here between saturn and uranus the first is like the knock on the door it's act one where everything's normal and then there is a problem that's introduced or a character that's introduced that's going to bring us into a story right well normal is a constantly shifting thing right now right <laughs> like it, we're not this is like the story begins and people are in chaos right <laughs> like it's already changing so much so we're just constantly already trying to reground ground again ground again ground again to the changes that are coming the changes that keep coming and so act one, beginning now, this Aquarius season will bring us into more information about this personally and collectively. And then in June, when we're in Gemini season, again, we will have this happen. Again, we will have a Mercury retrograde in an air sign in Gemini where this is happening, um, like in that season where the sun will be. And um, we'll get more information. And that's when like we might be more in the climax or in the crises phase of what are we trying to be learning this year with this, with this one, two, three Saturn Uranus. And then when we get to December, the idea is that we come to some kind of resolution or a maturation or an evolution where we are feeling like we get it. We may not have all the answers, it's still going to be all process, but our relationship to the problem has changed because we've changed. Our values have changed. Taurus is about values. As your values continue to change, so will need to be all the ways that you interact with your communities and with yourself. And so we're just learning and it's hard to know what this will look like. And my best advice is um, taking care of yourself and your nervous system so that you feel able to listen. So, again, if you would like to join my Patreon, you can hear your rising sign horoscope for the new moon and cap um, that we just had. Um, which will give you more information about this particular cycle for you. And if you join in February, you can hear the get the one for the new moon in Aquarius um, to hear about 
the Aquarius into Pisces cycle by rising sign. And that's very helpful because it allows me to tell you what departments of life are being involved. If you just listen to the podcast, um, I'm speaking generally and I'm asking you to go do that work, right? Where in the Patreon, I'm able to tell you more directly for yourself so that you can go right there and I can ask you like, the questions that I think will be most helpful to you for your own attunement. And if you join at the $12 level in Patreon, I, I, you can join the live meetup once a month where we can look at your chart and you can ask me direct questions about your chart. It's like for $12, you're getting a mini chart reading for you right in the moment, right in that month that we're in. So I think it's a really excellent value to be a part of my Patreon community all year for consistent um, maintenance with your chart, for consistent readings, rather than like a once a year reading, right? Like I think it's actually a better investment maybe. I think ideally you do both, right? Like you have like a deep, deep one hour reading and or some other kind of thing you do with me or someone else. And then you also are getting this like helpful um, mix of rising sign help and then chart help with the live group. So I welcome you there. If my voice is resonating, you can always experiment and then pull back out. There's no harm there. So I'm um, happy to, so happy to be supporting a Patreon space. It just feels very, very, very good. You know, right now it's a small group, so there's a lot of intimacy and um, the opportunity to talk with me and look at your chart. And um, I'm loving creating for people who already know my voice and already um, know my style and uh, the way I like to teach. And so we can just like get deeper, faster, I feel like. If you would like further support with Aquarius, which I highly recommend for any time of year this year, Aquarius is just important the whole year. If you want more help with Aquarius, my workbook is like working with me or working with an astrologer anytime you want to, because it's very intimate to be working with a pen in hand in a workbook. And there's all kinds of tips for working on your chart, whether you're Aquarius in you or the Saturn in you, your own Uranus. There's tarot prompts, there's journaling prompts, there's lunar rituals to support you. So I welcome you to give a try to one of my Living the Signs workbooks. If there is a book to get in 2021, it's the Aquarius book. Second choice would be the Taurus book. Um, most people like to begin with their sun, moon, and rising signs, but I find them to be especially or more helpful for working with the prominent astrology of a period of time. So last year that would have been Capricorn. This year it's Aquarius and Taurus. Hmm. <laughs> I'm wishing you all the best of this cycle. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions or concerns about anything that I've said here today and I'm wishing you the best. Cheers.